Um, I think I'm making up a word here, functionalities. But uh, no, functionalities is a word. I use that all the time. <laughs> you do? Okay. okay. It's, a, it's my technical term. So okay. um, You can have it. I'll let you have it. <laughs> I'm like, as you're talking about this, I'm having this um, idea or like vision in my head where somebody's on, um, say, a lower tier or a free tier of a product, and you've got some documentation that um, covers an enterprise feature for this product, which maybe it helps um, individuals who have a lot of records in the system, right? Let's, mm -hmm. let's say it's like a CRM or something. Yeah. And, you know, once you get up to 100,000 records in the system, you know, they've got this feature that helps you mine that for information or organize it or something like that. It seems like you could have one of these recommendation engines go and um, say, oh, well, people who are kind of in this tier and they've got this other um, quantity of information, you know, maybe we should show them some of these help articles um, when they go to the health site and just kind of suggest like there are these other things you can do if you upgrade and that's a way that you can actually position the knowledge content as it's not pre-sales but it's not post-sales either it's kind of like it's just educating someone on the benefit they would get from you know increasing their subscription absolutely it's it's the modern version or the, the upscale version of hey did you know kind of thing yeah uh, it, or, or some, something, something of that sort, where you can really uh, deliver relevant information, even if so. It's it's both push and pull kind of thing. So mm -hmm. what what you were describing is more of the push, where you can suggest uh, different information nuggets, components. Yeah. Let's let's say uh, that will be very specific to what the user is looking at currently on the page, uh, what functionality they have, and and so on. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in the old way, you would potentially have to deliver a whole document where nobody's going to open that. Right, exactly. So I think um, one of the, the other interesting aspects of that, though, is like <clears throat> one of the things that we're starting to see is people taking components and assembling them into um, like collaterals. So mm -hmm. you have, you know, you might have some um, knowledge components that then end up in a white paper, for instance. Right. And <clears throat> I'm wondering if there's a way that you can take and correlate when people have accessed things that would be just like actual components of knowledge and then being like, oh, well, these exist in these other places. Maybe we should try to deliver these larger chunks to them and give them more you know, context around it. That's one way you could actually use components to feed into longer documents. Yes, um, agreed. And, and that's uh, another... Um, situation that we've actually seen recently as well, um, where even though, so let me let me back up for a second. When you are composing a big document, let's say uh, an example would be a product manual. Um, you're, you're, you want to, to produce a product manual with, you, ha you already have the components. You have the components for your legal lease. You, can, you have components for warnings and don't do this. And if you do this, be careful kind of thing. So you can easily use that and you compose your uh, big PDF, if that's one of the delivery channels mm -hmm. for your manual, as well as printed version of that manual. So that's a screenshot or a snapshot in time of the com uh, not composed, the assembled content. Mm -hmm. And uh, an ontology, yes, leveraging an ontology can allow us to, to save that screenshot 
uh, or snapshot without actually saving the, the full content. You already have the content. We have a version of the content and we, the ontology just tells us at this date for this, this uh, document that you just created, these were the specific uh, content pieces and their versions that you used. So you can easily um, access that later if you need it. Or you can also see what what version of each content you deliver to each each of your customers, so that you don't repeat yourself. Or you know, that gives the, the the whole background of what you've delivered, what what they've seen, um, and so on. What are you guys using to track what customers have and haven't seen? Ah, uh, that's uh, that's a little bit different. So this is um, again, it depends on the use case. But it's a, a mix of the front end, which is the delivery channel, as well as your uh, back end, which is the headless CMS slash ontology. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can compose it and you say, okay, well, this is a, this document for customer ABC, and that relationship now exists in your back end. Whether they've actually seen it, that analytic piece will have to come from the front end. Mm-hmm. So you would need to capture that. And yes, you can obviously capture it in the back end and say, yes. The, the person opened it um, or even opened these specific sections of the page or of, of the document on such and such date. But that's, again, something that will need to come, will need to come from the front end. Do you, so do you, have, do you have actual technology that you use to track that information? I mean, I'm, I've never seen something that does it really well. I'm, this is a bit of a selfish question if you haven't noticed. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, uh, I personally haven't used it yet. Uh, I know the, about the use case, and uh, there's definitely uh, quite a bit of interest on at least a couple of projects that, projects that we're currently working in. So we're going to be exploring this a little bit more. Um, but uh, the way I, I see it would be uh, a connection of some sort of analytics like just as an example, Google Analytics, mm-hmm. uh, capturing of what was on that page, uh, who saw it when, and so on, and then feeding it back to the to the backend. Got it. That makes so sense. It, it, it probably a, a mix of tools that are already out there for analytics and mm-hmm. a bit of a custom implementation for uh, capturing that information. I, I personally haven't seen a tool that actually does that yet out of the box, um, but there may be something out there. I'm sure there is. It seems like there's something out there for everything these days. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I think we actually skipped one of our Twitter versions. So I'm going to loop back to it. All I don't right. think we did the Twitter version on Knowledge Graph. And Knowledge I feel Graph. like you were the perfect person to give that to us. No there pressure. <laughs> All right. So uh, no pressure there. Um, when we talk about Knowledge Graphs, uh, we're, we're referring to the instantiation of ontology or... Uh, putting the data model into practice. We talked mm-hmm. about ontology being a data model. Uh, sure. The data model allows us to uh, define what types of things we can talk about, what types of properties and relationships they have. A knowledge graph is the actual um, uh, instance of that ontology. So we that's where we would capture the data, the content. Um, this, this is where, basically, this will be the database with the ontology on top of it uh, that we can actually start working with. That's, I think that's a great definition. One of the things that I think is, is interesting about Knowledge Graph, though, is if, if I put this correctly, um, and maybe this is a really loose definition of Knowledge Graph, um, but you basically have a Knowledge Graph anytime you have m- more than one um, well-defined and typed objects with well-defined and typed relationships between them. I can agree with that, yes. 
And so let me tell you why I like this definition. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. So I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but let me tell you why yeah. this definition. So knowledge graph was so mysterious to me for so long until mm-hmm. I like really sat down and read about it. And <clears throat> I think everybody like really just kind of like gets into it so fast because it's, it's so interesting. And the mm-hmm. people who are into it are like into it. Um, yeah. And like nothing against those people, obviously, you know, you're one of those people. I mean, they're great. They're great. They're pushing <laughs> Thanks, the ball forward. I'm not taking anything. No, no, I shouldn't take anything. <laughs> no, but like seriously, like it just it gets really, really in the weeds fast. Yeah, and I love the does. weeds. Anybody who knows this this podcast knows yeah. that I love being in the weeds. But I remember just starting to read about it, being like, "Holy cow, what on earth is going on here?" Yeah. And then I eventually I came to the conclusion. I was like, "Wait, this is just typed linking." Like literally, it's just it's just it's just schema and typed linking. And like as soon as I had that paradigm, and I was like, "Oh, if I can tell you what type of link this is, what the relationship is, it's a knowledge graph." And for me, that kind of blew the doors open. And like it was like, "Oh, well, we can actually layer this into things that aren't necessarily knowledge graph systems, and then later we could extract those we wanted to, or we could leverage them." So it's I think it really opens up the field in a lot of ways when you think about it as being something that simple. Absolutely. Um, this is this is a really good way to, of thinking about it, and especially when we're talking about componentized content or even structured content. Um, here's here's an example of how you can think about a very simple or simplistic uh, knowledge graph. Let's say you have a headless CMS and you have a content type um, that has all these kind of different fields in it and reference to other fields. And guess what? Now you have these references, and this is your very basic knowledge graph. Because mm-hmm. let's say if you have, uh, I don't know, an article, uh, and in that article you would refer, uh, you refer to the content item that is the author of that article. Mm-hmm. So you have a relationship between two different content items, so your entries, and you have a typed relationship because in that field you've specified, yes, this is the author for that article. Right. This is a basic example of a knowledge graph in a componentized um, headless CMS. It's probably also the most common knowledge graph on the planet. <laughs> probably, yes. <laughs> but it's but it's a really good it's a really good starting example, right? Like you have person, you have article, and the relationship is author, and like that person is now the author of that article. Exactly. And that means you can now go and say, "Show me all the author all, all the articles this person has written." Exactly. And so this is. <laughs> Like you said, this is a very basic uh, definition of of what we talk about when we're referring to a knowledge graph. And then before we even get to the nuts and bolts, um, where a graph technology come into place is where it it is allowing us these additional, uh, more advanced functionalities. Um, I think I'm making up a word here, functionalities. No, functionalities uh, is a word. I use that all the time. (laughs) You do? Okay. Okay. It's it's my technical term. Okay. Um, you can have it. I'll let you have it. <laughs> um, and then allowing uh, machine learning, uh, references, re- inferencing, uh, recommendations, that's that's where a graph technology really helps and shines. Mm-hmm. Um, but the basics of re- describing the relationships and their and the entities, um, it's it can be it can be done in any sort of technology really. Yeah, I think that that's a really key point is that the anything that can control semantics and have type linking can effectively represent a graph. Yeah. Um, and one other thing that I want to point out here that I think I'm pointing out because I find it to be very, very interesting. And I think this is one of the key differentiators for knowledge graph 
in my opinion, is that in traditional, like the way that we think about selecting content or data traditionally is you think more about selecting data around like here's an attribute of the the object and less about like selecting data um which is inferred from relationships but like when you have this so let's say you have a bunch of people in a system and you have a bunch of articles and some percentage of those people have links to the articles as authors you can go in and you can say find me all the authors even though there's no author checkbox Mm-hmm. on the people right? right so like whenever you create relationships you're creating this like whole new tier of selection and i think that is the thing that really sets knowledge graph technology as it relates to being able to access and, and interact with data apart from other databases content rules but it can be a lot sure you've noticed that a lot of these topics are connected, but our short podcast episodes barely scratch the surface. Have no fear, because in the description, we have links to videos, blog posts, and other information that help shine some light on some of the more intense, murky topics. In no time, you're going to have a little bit better idea about structured content and enterprise content strategy. Hope you enjoy.